every part of life changed in a heartbeat. And I questioned everything, even down to the goodness of God. And I can tell you that, that, that God was okay with that wrestling because even in my darkest moments, I didn't turn my back on Him. I was so angry with understanding this, but I still only ran to Him. You're listening to Altered Stories with Michelle Renee Gutch. Hello, Altered Stories listeners. Welcome to the Altered Stories show, episode 49, Jennifer's Trusting the Lord in All Circumstances, God's Story. Thanks for listening to the show today. This is Michelle Saunders Gutch, your chief storyteller host. Friends, I really hope you all are doing well. And as most of you know, I live in the Kansas City area. I have to take this time today to congratulate Coach Reed and the KC Chiefs, new AFC champs, on their victory yesterday against the Buffalo Bills. Looking forward to watching them play in the Super Bowl this year against Tampa Bay. Go Chiefs! Also, friends, I hope You've had the opportunity to listen to some of my recent podcasts. They have been incredible God stories that are inspiring. And I continue to thank you for listening to the God stories women share on this show. Now, friends, today I also get the distinct honor to introduce to you my special guest, Jennifer Eichenhorst. I met Jennifer while attending the Spark Christian Podcasters Conference in Houston, Texas last February. So it's been almost one year since her and I have actually had some face-to-face time. So I'm super excited that she's here. She lives in Central Texas and is married to her high school sweetheart of 20 years. I love her pictures. She's always sharing some really cool pictures of her and her husband. Uh, And so that is just precious. And she's a mama of four children, ages 8 to 18, a math teacher and host of the Accidental Hope podcast. That show is rocking. And uh, she is Uh, received, I think, an award or two on her show. Uh, Jennifer is also a leader in the women's ministry at our church. So she's my kind of gal. I love women's ministry. So for her and I to be here today, I am just so excited. And we're going to have a conversation about her God story, her powerful, inspiring God story that led her to her calling and her podcast ministry and advocacy for CADIS, which stands for Causing Accidental Death or Injury. So let's get this in conversation started. Hey, Jan, how are you today? Happy Monday in 2021 year. Welcome. Hi, thank you, Michelle. I'm so glad to be here with you. And yes, happy Monday. (laughs) How are you doing? these days. I mean, it's noon, you know, where you're at, we're recording at the noon time. So how's it going? 
you know, I can't complain. Um, the weather's beautiful today. We've got some sunshine. It's, um, I think, in the 60s. I mean, I can't even believe it. it's winter and it's in the 60s. Um, we've been healthy, so I'm grateful for that. And um, school's getting started. We're getting to the second semester and the swing of things. So it's a little exciting around here. We have a senior. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you were mentioning that. That's a big deal. It is. All the, the things that keep you busy, like pictures and ordering different things and applications, um, trying to just savor every moment of this season, you know. Yeah, you're such a good mom too, Jennifer. I always see the pictures of your family. I love families. I mm. mean, I just love seeing families together and supporting one another and especially during this time of COVID, you know, we've, it's just so important. You know, there is blessings, right? In the COVID situation that we've been in, but you know what? God knows, God knows what's ahead in that space. But um, I know you've shared your story publicly and you've been on some podcasts and um, we're going to get into that soon, but I always like to try to ask my guests why they think sharing their stories is so important. So why do you think it's important to share your story? Well, it's very taboo and it certainly is um, uncomfortable, especially um, because it, it can really be hurtful for a lot of people. So it's a sensitive subject, first of all. And um, so you won't hear the narrative in my type of story ever, very often at all. Um, I think there's starting to be more people um, share. And then, you know, when I, when I first shared, it was because I did it completely scared. I felt compelled, almost like the Holy Spirit was not going to let me um, rest until I talked about this testimony. Doesn't mean I wasn't terrified um, of what was going to happen. And then when I did, it freed me. When I when I finally said, okay, Lord, I don't know why I'm going to do this. It feels selfish to talk about this. It feels insensitive to talk about this. It feels um, like I'm trying to get attention, um, but yet I still wanted to share. And then when I did, it was very freeing and it connected me to other people. And then I realized, oh, maybe this is why. And from that obedience, now I have a community of people from all over the world, and I'm so grateful. Yes, and I really love that, Jennifer. I'm so grateful you shared it because it does feel almost like you're attention-seeking or, you know, oh, poor me. You know, I mean, there. I think those are lies the enemy really, truly does try to work on us. Uh, in our heads, because I will say, just like you, there's that freeing aspect that I had. I mean, when I finally shared my story, I was afraid and just, you know, even as I've come out public with it, you know, but I've seen now so much that's been gleaned from it. And as you've seen too. And so I think the Lord that's why we have that scripture in our ministry um, that talks about sharing your story and what Jesus 
said in Luke 8.35 around, go and tell what I've done for you. And I think that's important for women and men. But as we focus on women in this ministry, um, I think it's just really powerful. So I thank you for sharing that. And, you know, you have a life verse too. And I'd love you to share that with my listeners. Yeah, it's um, Proverbs 3, uh, 5 and 6. But I really, I brought, is it okay if I read it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I actually want to push back a little bit because this was my very, one of my very first verses that I remember memorizing as a young girl. And I know we'll get into that maybe in a little bit, but I, w- I didn't grow up in a religious home. My parents are non-believers. I'm a best ministry pickup where they would come to the apartment and pick us up and take us to church and bring us back. And so pretty sure I got like Starburst or some kind of candy for memorizing this. But it was one of those things I just stuck to. So Proverbs um, is, you know, obviously great to read, if especially if you suffer from anxiety. I feel like Proverbs really helps people with anxiety. Um But I'm going to start with um, chapter 3, verse 3, and it says, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on a tablet of your heart. And so find favor in the high esteem in the sight of God and man. And that's so crucial about keeping that mercy and truth um, because of what we're surrounded by. But here's where it gets good um, or (laughs) pertaining to trusting in all circumstances. And... It says, trust in the Lord with your whole heart and lean not into your own understanding and always acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. And with my story, um, I didn't understand how in any way God could renavigate my path straight. Like I, I could not in the moment see how in any way this could ever turn out for good. Um, I was so broken and so devastated and the the lie of the enemies and there were layers of attack where I just could not imagine how God could make this good. I could not imagine how he could restore it and redeem it. And I sat there in that pit for a little bit just saying, but God, you you said that you would make this good. Like you said you had a purpose for my life. Like you you said these things, but I can't fathom it. It was beyond any of my understanding. And um, it's so funny how as like a eight-year-old little girl, I memorized that verse and I would I would say it to myself, you know, different times in life, you know, breaking up with a boy or not getting into the college I wanted to go to or um, different things. And, um, but with this, it had to come alive. And now I can see it that he did restore it and he was faithful and he is good. And although, you know, the heart of the story, it, it involves grief. And I can never tell you that that is a good thing or I'll have this happy ending that you're used to hearing about. It, it's a suffering. It's a long suffering, but I can see good in it and I can see hope restored and I can see faithfulness and I can see miracles and prayers answered um, despite that suffering. So um, that's my verse that I wanted to share in this. It's just so pertinent that 
there you may be in a season where you just feel like, how could God make that good with whatever you're facing? You know, how can God make that good? It feels like, you know, just like it's all falling apart. And, and he did with my story. And so. Well, this is a great segue, Jennifer. Um, now that we're talking about a little bit of the verse in the story, but can you now share with my listeners where your God story began in trusting the Lord in all circumstances? Yes, um, I want to share that I think faith in this is, um, you know, in Job where he says, you know, he trusted him with different things happening and it kind of came in waves and in layers of different attack and he trusted him and God would still um, see him, Job, be faithful. And even his wife was like, why are you still praising God? Look at what just happened. And then, then the other layer of attack would happen and Job is still faithful. And I think that um, it's a muscle, you know, so the first God story I had where my daughter was having um, brain surgery and she was three and it was a long months of trusting God in a diagnosis, but not having a diagnosis, but knowing something was wrong and pursuing it. And then we finally got the diagnosis. It was this um, trusting him that he found us the name of it and what it was and that he was going to carry us through it and trusting him that when we signed that line that we didn't know what was going to happen after that surgery, that no matter what happened, God would be faithful to carry us through, whether that was I'm not even going to speak what it could have been, but there was a lot of things. There were a lot of unknowns. And my husband and I had to cling to each other. We were young and we had these young children and and just trusting God through it and trusting God through the rehabilitation of that and what it looked like, um, financial provision, all those different things. And so we had experienced that before, but when we got to you know 2016, we had had now my second daughter having... A surgery, a, d- a different type of brain surgery. Um, instead of her tumor being on her spine, my younger daughter had a, a cyst behind her right eye. So it's a genetic thing with my girls and trusting again with that and trusting with the job changes. But when we got to um, the, towards the end of that year, um, I had a, a tragic accident on a really ordinary, normal day. And my God story took a whole new level, which is, you know, you know, um, I don't even sometimes have words where we were just already, you know, kind of been down and we had been, you know, still trusting God. And, but when, when you have an accident with fatality, that really, um, pulled the rug under me. And for the first time in my life was the first time I ever questioned God. I never questioned God with um, really the surgeries or the, I, I, I just knew that God loved, you know, my girls more than I loved them. You know, I knew that, you know, I trusted him with their lives. That was hard, but I got it, you know. And um, when I had the accident to, I didn't understand how my purpose in this lifetime could involve hurting someone else. And I'll never be like non-emotional about that. You know, I, I take that very seriously that, that I was involved in someone else's death. I was involved in 
hurting his children because they lost their dad. I was involved with um, possibly tempting them or them turning their backs on the Lord, you know, because they had to wrestle with this whole thing that it, it was, it, there's layers, yeah. ripples, yeah, of things that I was putting on my shoulders and and did not understand why God would trust me with such a thing. And I almost did not make it um, mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, um, financially. Every part of life changed in a heartbeat. And I questioned everything, even down to the goodness of God. And I can tell you that, that, that God was okay with that wrestling because even in my darkest moments, I didn't turn my back on him. I was so angry with understanding this, but I still only ran to him. Where was I going to go? You know, I, I, I still loved him, even though I didn't understand what in the world he was doing or how he could restore this or um, how life could even go on. But he did. Um, so the accident took place in October and um, it was, you know, just, I guess, if you want to define a rock bottom, <laughs> there, was a, there was a rock bottom and deciding to live and re- Trusting Him with my freedom, trusting God with my nature. Was I going to harden my heart? Um, trusting Him with my mental health, that I would be able to pull through this depression. Trusting Him that my children, especially my girls who were in the accident with me, who witnessed this horrific accident, that they would be okay and that that they would be okay, you know, um, that trusting him with the the salvation and of the other people involved, the people I would never get to know, um, trusting that the man who was hurt, you know, was saved. I mean, there was just different things of trusting God in that situation. And, um, and it just became a place where I had to really establish my identity in Christ and and tell him and surrender that no matter what, whatever the outcome, I was still going to love God. I was still going to love him because I knew he was real and I could still feel him despite my anger and despite my brokenness and not really understanding what was happening. We did get to this point where I, I did seek help. Um, I did go to a Christian counselor talked with doctors, but it really started in a prayer closet where when I couldn't sleep because of nightmares or whatever was happening, um, I would just go to my closet and on the floor of my closet, all I could do was just cry and pray and journal and um, try to hear the Lord and decipher what thoughts were His and what thoughts were the attack of the enemy. And Eventually, we we got to um, a place where the grand jury listened to my case and gave me what's called a no bill. So criminally, I was not um, responsible, you know, um, but it, it didn't change what had to be done on the inside, the work that had to be on the inside. And um, that paper didn't necessarily free me. I think what a lot of people did, it, it really had to 
to still be um, a choice of the work I wanted to do inside. And that started with taking every thought captive, um, uh, surrounding myself with truth and scripture, um, giving God all the things, <laughs> all the emotions, all the feelings, and letting um, letting that be a real relationship. Um, going back to God's promises and what He, who He says I am, not versus what the world says I am, and um, it was a, a process. It's a it's a work in progress. It, it is still going on continuously. I still have bad days, and I still have days where I have to remind myself, "Hey, whose voice am I listening to in this?" and um, you know, I trust you, Lord. I trust you that that this is going to work out and that you're going to make this path straight. It, it is uh, surrounding myself with mercy, sharing mercy, sharing, surrounding myself in truth, sharing truth, and um, really just taking it one day at a time. But that story of um, the accident, it really was unlike anything I could have ever imagined. That grief was just hardest thing I've ever walked through and could imagine for anyone. And I give God the glory that I'm here and I give God the glory that, um, that he's given me a community of people who are also lost and hurt that may have not had the, the same, um, support. And, you know, and I see a difference, you know, um, just yesterday I, I got a, a message from someone who said, you know, what type of therapy did you do? Because I just don't know why I'm not feeling like you feel. And was it just a particular type of therapy or is it really truly your faith that you think is the difference? And I had the opportunity to write back and say, nothing can replace the faith um, or what God has done. I Every breath I take, every moment I give glory to God, um, that He is the reason that... Um, then I'm here and I made it and um, I can still have joy and experience laughter and, and, um, and walk without shame and guilt. That is such a beautiful depiction of the grace and mercy of our God. And it's not an easy, it's not an easy journey. And uh, I gotta say, I, I completely admire and respect you for being willing to be public with it, to use it to help others, um, in your advocacy, to be able to continue to minister, you know, to others who are going through this, uh, kind of situation. I mean, God never takes any of our tragedy or our sin, or, you know, that yields consequences. In this case, obviously, you know, this was an accident, you know, and accidents from the people that I know who've been in them or who having experienced some kind of injury that's come out of that, it's, it's a traumatizing, very traumatizing. So it's a work in progress. It's, you know, as you've shared, from those I've known that have been through it too. And so I really appreciate the depth you've gone to and how real you've been and authentic 
in sharing, you know, you question your faith, you question God, you question how can you, he bring anything good out of it, you know? And look, here's an attestment right here of how God is using you and bringing good out of it. So I'm, I just think this is such a blessing to have you here, Jennifer, and to share. And I would love also to have you talk a little bit about, you know, your advocacy and some of your resources available to those that have gone through what you've come through in, you know, helping them through the healing process. Can you share some of, of your, your wisdom there? Yeah. And, you know, I'll say um, that was one of my frustrations was that it's very difficult to find any resources. It's almost like I think about the pioneers of veterans who uh, who tried to advocate for PTSD, that this is something very real, um, you know, moral injury. So it's really interesting that my what helps caddies the most is a trauma PTSD counselor who has worked with soldiers and law enforcement before, because here I am, this soccer mom, <laughs> swim mom, you know, uh, teacher, school teacher, your community friend who's never been in the military, but yet everything that I was saying, experiencing, uh, was just like a soldier coming home from war. In my brain, I actually had a physical um, a neurofeedback brain scan and my, my brain had gray matter, like slow waves, which is similar to what you would experience coming back from war, that trauma. And so it altered my brain. Um, and that was hard. That was a, a reality of like, okay, Lord, if this is where I am, this is the, this is where I am. Where do you restore and redeem this? And it, and it took um, seeking, searching, and praying. And I found it. Um, I found one website of a woman. It's really one of like three in the entire world uh, dedicated to this type of grief, um, with it, which is accidental death. And the more you research, then I'm like, wait a minute, it's in the Old Testament. There's these cities of refuge in the Old Testament talking about like if you accidentally like throw your axe and kill someone. I mean, they were, God thought of this, which and is so strange because I would have never told you like before the accident that, oh yeah, eye for an eye or, you know, that I would feel like I need to be stoned or, you know. But then when I took this on, um, when this happened, I did take on those feelings where I felt unworthy of life. I felt like I did deserve what happened to me. I, I did deserve for the family members to stone me. I, and I would kind of expected it. Um, I wanted to just run to a cave and hide um, just like they would have in the Old Testament. And it, none of these things make sense you know, on a logical level, but that's what it, I mean, it's there. It's real. It's a real feeling. Thank goodness. There is a new covenant in Jesus that he did the work on the cross, that there isn't this old atonement because there is no atonement that I can have here um, on earth that I can do because Jesus did it. Jesus already did the work. He, because there is nothing that I could physically do. So the gospel became more alive to me 
after my accident. But there are just so few resources. Like I said, there's maybe three websites, one including mine. So the first one, the first thing I always tell people is make sure you find help through a trusted Christian counselor, preferably someone who has um trauma experience. And like I said, it really um, helps if they have worked with moral injury before, which is where you get into that law enforcement, uh, military background, working with that, because that moral injury means our souls, our spirit being, our spirit man was hurt and wounded by the fact that we took another life. And um, so it's it wasn't just this manifestation of everything. It was every part of my, the physiological part, the bio, every part of my body was um, changed and wounded. And um, so that's the first step is getting help. Um, Even if someone doesn't feel or speaking that out, if they've had an accident where someone's been seriously injured, even if they're not talking about, they could be completely numb. They need the help. Like try to urge them to get that help um, because we're internalizing it. Like I said, I didn't feel like I should speak about this because I'm not the one who died. How dare I try to get help when I'm not the one who lost a loved one? And I'm so glad I did. <laughs> I'm so glad I, you know, I was... Uh, had the courage to reach out. And even then I was lying to my therapist. I was going to get help, but I wasn't telling him the, the darkness of where I was being tempted. You know, I wanted to sleep past the pain. I wanted to numb out. And um, thank goodness I didn't do those things, but I saw it. It was right there. I could see how tempting it would be to make those permanent choices that could would have been a whole nother thing to deal with. Thankfully, I didn't, and I was protected from that, but I could see it. It was so close to where I I could have taken that that path. Um, so that the second second thing I would say is um, there is a, the website that I was telling you about is um, accidentalimpacts.org, and I can mail this or email it to you. Yeah, we'll make sure it gets yeah, on, your, on so, your episode page too. And- Yes. And so um, she's like our pioneer. It's Dr. Marianne Gray. You can look her up. She's done a TED Talk, but she is our pioneer. She's the one who coined um, Caddy. She wanted something more that was like um, kind of like a medical term that maybe the psychology world would take notice of because I don't want to be known as an accidental killer. And that's how the media and that's how people portray you that I don't want that label that I'm an accidental killer. I mean, that makes me nauseous. It, it, it hurts me that I'm a perpetrator. It, it hurts me still to this day. So, um, but her accident was more than 40 years ago and she's, you know, done all the research that she can trying to advocate for us. And that's something that I do. I'm very passionate about advocating for safe, distractive, free driving um, work with young people. Um, I work with an app called Safe to Save even though I wasn't distracted that night, I was talking to my daughter who was in the car about her day. I felt safe that day. I was at a stop sign. I I felt like it was a quiet country road and I did not treat that intersection like it was a busy intersection. I was complacent that day. And I really feel like I was just completely blinded by the enemy because I 
I still don't understand how I didn't see him. You know, I don't understand. And all the things that happened in my day that led to that moment and all the things that happened in his day that led to that moment. And even the law enforcement are like, I think we could run this scenario a hundred times and 99 of them, we're not going to get the same result. It just, both of our lives had to come together at a certain point for this accident to happen in the way that it happened. I mean, a half second off and he could have been okay, you know, um, that's another part of the trust, like trusting God with that timing, like, because it's beyond what I could ever understand of how that came together in that, in that situation. And, you know, and not being mad about it for the rest of my life. You know, I could be bitter for the rest of my life, you know, you know, like how all these things had to happen at one point and, you know, for this tragedy to happen. So I have to trust God with it. And I got to, you know, guard my heart from any kind of questioning. Um, you'll drive me crazy. It's not why this happened. It's what now. So the only thing that I can do is advocate for people who are like me and, and reach out to them and say, hey, if you're struggling, Jesus did the work for you. There's no atonement that you can do. There, his mercy and grace is big enough to even cover this. He loved the man that was in the accident with me. He loved his children and he loved me. He loved that he loved me in the midst of that moment too. And he loves you in the midst of your tragedy too. And he can restore this and he can make it beautiful. Um, it will not look like what we have this picture of in the world and in our culture. It it won't look like that. But the fact that you keep moving on um is a miracle in itself. The keep, you know, if you fight the good fight that's the miracle. If you um, reach out to someone else that you don't know and say, hey, I love you. I care for you. I'm praying for you. Um, I'm here if you need me. That is the miracle in that. So I, I try to talk to young people. If it can happen that fast in just a blink, um, just to remember that the enemy is ready to pounce, that we have to be on guard every time, every drive, every situation. We have to be um, very proactive in our prayer life, you know, asking the angels to go before us, keeping us, um, you know, just under his feathers, you know, and, and those things, not even in the, the bad times, but just being proactive with it, that we are alert and that we are, you know, um, I loved it with the prayer that we had, you know, just being able to um, guard every step of our lives. And so I, I tell young people, you know, if, if you have a habit of drinking coffee or eating while you're in the car, if you have, um, if you're frustrated or tired, those are signs that you need to pull over, you know, and so much we want to be in this hurry and we don't want to slow down, but that is where the enemy is watching. He is waiting. And, and I don't want you to be in this circumstance where, you know, I found myself and, um, so I do some of that, you know, I have, um, like I said, I have the show, um, it, it started as just an interview and I wanted to share my story and it felt really selfish, but I did it anyway. I was totally terrified. And then I realized this was a way to reach people out of my circle and say, and, and, and share hope with people. So that's what I do. Um, it's now this ministry where I've heard from people all over the world all over the world, 
different cultures, different ages, different background, faith backgrounds, just, and all of us can share each other's um, uh, thoughts, you know, and I'm just like, wow, God, you can connect people who have nothing else in common otherwise than these tragedies. And we can say, hey, you're not alone. And, and it's, it's been so beautiful. I mean, I'm grateful, you know, for that. Um, so that's a little bit about what I do. <laughs> oh my gosh, Jennifer. It's a lot. It's a lot. And we could keep going. I mean, we could, I mean, we could have a conversation about this for hours and hours and hours on I mean, there's so many topics. Like, and I pray about that. You know, I pray that if you're sitting here and you're listening to my story and you've ever lost a loved one in your life through tragedy of accident, I want you to know that we are deeply, I have not met a caddy yet who's like, oh, I've moved on. We are secretly, deeply wounded. We are altered. And it's our deepest heartbreak just so, you know, and I pray for anyone who has ever lost a loved one in that way, you know, that their heart would be restored to a place of forgiveness and understanding and um, not for the person who did it, but for their own sake, you know. And so that's part of my heart as well. Well, I know God is going to use this mightily. And I honor what you've been through, Jennifer, and the way that you are allowing God to use you through this. And I know you're on your knees a lot, I'm sure, in trying to go through this, you know, journey of, you know, coming out of a very difficult, difficult circumstance, you know, that you never anticipated or never expected. And, you know, I I love that you have shared what you're doing in um, prayer and, you know, guiding others to the awareness because, you know, with our world, we have so many distractions. And I know every day I always pray before I get in my car. I've had several accidents, but they have not, you know, resulted in anything too serious except for a concussion you know, that I had and my daughter thankfully came out of it. But, you know, accidents happen. People, you know, are off. They get distracted. There's a lot of things. So if anything, you know, this also can bring it not only just the God glorifying and inspiring aspect of what God is doing and has done through your advocacy and your show, what he's doing and how he's using you and also how um, you can uh, help create awareness so that others don't have to go through an unexpected, you know, injury or, or even a death, um, of, of another or, you know, someone in their own immediate family. So, you know, these things, God is a gracious and loving God, a merciful God. That is for sure. And friends, um, I really hope you are blessed by what Jennifer shared. It's not easy, uh, for, women to come on my show sometimes and share. She's done it beautifully. And um, I know God is um, really smiling uh, for how she is walking through her journey of healing. And she made a really good point. And I think I've shared too, 
the the healing process continues, even though we go through, you know, emotional healing and reconciliation and things um, that are necessary, even counseling and our stories, you know, sometimes as we have to share them again, can, you know, bring back wounds and things like that too. So I really thank you again, Jennifer, for being willing to come on my show and share so bravely. And friends, I wanted to also say that I'm going to have this episode available to listen to on our website um, and other information about Jennifer, including um, her podcast, where that um, can be heard, and also some of her family pictures and this episode. And you can also listen to this podcast on all the major podcast platforms and on Eternity Ready Radio on Tuesday, February 2nd, Groundhog Day from 7 to 8 Central Time. You just say, Alexa, play Eternity Ready Radio. And um, I'm hoping to have this uh, episode up for those of you that want to hear it there. And also, friends, I would love it if you could just share some feedback on uh, Jennifer's story. Uh, she has so graciously taken the time to share it. And, you know, it's always great to be able to share with those that are sharing their story feedback. And even um, I love to hear the feedback, um, see how God is working or how God has used the story to strengthen your faith um, or maybe transform your circumstances that you're going through. So I'd love to hear it. And is there anything else, Jennifer, before I close that you want to share? Um, I just want to say thank you, Chris, for being on. But really, the only thing I would say is, guys, wherever you are in your life or maybe what's going to happen, nothing is ever wasted. And Maybe this doesn't pertain to you now, but maybe it will in the future. But God can restore all things when we trust Him. And when we surrender to His will truly, even, you know, when we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, just have that hope for each day, one day at a time. And God will. He's faithful. Thank you again, Jennifer. I appreciate it. God bless you. God bless your family. God bless your ministry. God bless your calling and all that you're doing. And God bless you in a special way today because you've taken the time and you're blessing others through the gift of what you've shared. So listeners, now it's time for Meemaw Moments. Hi, y'all. I'm Sandy Williams, board vice president for Altered Stories Ministry and this is Meemaw's Moments. I will be sharing stories about being a Meemaw, which is the name my grandkids gave me, the sweetest of all my names. I keep my grandkids almost every day, and I hope to share some fun stories that I've experienced as well as lessons learned that I try to translate from my Texas-based childhood and Southern ancestors to my grandchildren's lives today. When my grandchildren came, I purposed to be there for them to love them like I was loved and teach them about Jesus, family, and our strong country values, and maybe some good old country music. <laughs> I believe we are responsible for generations after us. 
I want my grandkids to know my parents and grandparents through me. It is, after all, their story. It's January 2021. Sounds like something out of a futuristic movie, but it's real. Our world keeps spinning as do our lives, seemingly out of control right now, as far as leadership goes in the United States. But we as Christians know better. The word of our Lord says in the New King James, in Proverbs 21.1, The king's, and you can insert president's, heart is in the hand of the Lord like rivers of water. He turns it wherever he wishes. My mother was a young mom during the Cuban Missile Crisis of 1962, and I was about three and a half, and my sister was about four months old when all that was happening. Several years ago, she shared her thoughts about how she felt about our safety and how badly she wanted to see us grow up in a peaceful and safe world. And I asked her, Mama, how did you pray about all of that? Now to set the stage for this discussion, you must understand that we lived in the panhandle of Texas, Amarillo, Texas. Amarillo is home to Pantex. Pantex is the United States' primary 18,000-acre nuclear weapons facility. And in 1962, they were building nuclear weapons there. Many people that lived there did not know what Pantex was. There was a cover story for the public for a long time that Pantex made clothes hangers. We had drills at school in case something happened, but we thought we were preparing for war in case the United States was attacked. So the imminent threat of death had been talked about in our household. How do Christian parents help their children deal with circumstances such as this? This is the way my mama handled it. I said, Mama, how did you pray about that? Sandra Jean, now I knew it was about to get serious. She used my full name. We do not raise warriors. We raise warriors. Warriors for the kingdom of Christ Jesus. She explained that we needed to get ready for whatever life had to throw at us, and we were not going to sit around worrying about what the president is going to do or stop living our lives wondering if we were going to have peace or war. We're going to get up and do what God put us here to do. We're going to pray and hand the worry over to God, and we're going to prepare ourselves the best we can to be like Daniel and David. We bow to no earthly king. We serve a great God, and we do so by His Holy Word. So for my grandchildren, I'm not worried for you. You belong to an almighty God. He is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. He is all-powerful. He is everywhere at the same time, and He is all-knowing. Do not live in fear. We are in good hands. The word of our Lord in Romans 13.1 in the New King James says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Until next time, Mima says, wherever you go, go with all your heart. Until the next show, friends, be heard and be healed.
Altered Stories Ministry is a faith-based, nonprofit, and women's evangelistic storytelling ministry located in Overland Park, Kansas. If you enjoyed listening to today's story, your family and friends would probably benefit from hearing how God works in the lives of women all over the world, too. So please, subscribe to our show and share the link to this podcast. Share it on your social media. We also welcome your valued feedback on our stories. Also, we'd appreciate your prayerful consideration in sponsoring one of our future God-glorifying stories and welcome your tax-exempt financial donation. To find out more on how you can support our ministry, you can log on to our website at www.alteredstories.org. 